Welcome to the Bravery Wines Podcast, a podcast celebrating common people doing uncommon things. In each episode, we chat with people of courageous character and discuss Finger Lakes wine too. Now, here's your host, Corey Chrisman. Welcome to our first episode. Thank you for joining us. And we're excited to introduce you to our friend and fellow winemaker, Peter B. Craft. Take a listen as he discusses his journey from military brat to college student to the fashion industry and to his direct observations of 9-11 as a resident of New York City. Then how he entered the winemaking community in the Finger Lakes and what he's up to today. Without further ado, let's welcome Pete to the show. Hey, welcome to our discussion with head winemaker Peter B. Craft from Anthony Road Wine Company. Hey, Pete, how's it going? I'm doing great. Good to, good to see you. It's uh, this time of year we don't get to interact as much as we do otherwise, but as many of you might have heard or caught on our previous videos, we're really wanting to highlight and focus people who we believe live our brand. These are common people chosen to be uncommon. Uh, they've chosen to do things a little differently. We wanted to start this uh, series off with our close friend, Peter, to focus so much on wine, but to focus uh, more on his journey. You know, Pete, can you, can you start talking a little bit about your, your time as a, as a military brat? Uh, my, my, both of my parents were in the military. My mother was pregnant with me, uh, and, and they were in the Army. Um, she actually, at that time, uh, you couldn't, you had to get out of the Army if you, became, if you were with child. Um, and, uh, but uh, my father was uh, stayed in uh, to the rank of colonel colonel and then um then got out and th so you know i grew up a military brat and uh lived in uh, multiple states and countries uh up to the uh, age of uh, nine and then uh, we we were stationed uh, outside of dc and my mother said that's where it ends and uh these kids are going to go to school grow up in a neighborhood and in a community and not have to move every uh two years and um, we're going to, this is how it's going to be. And you can work around that, right? And, uh, and that's what my dad did. So we were stationed uh, uh, in Virginia outside of D.C. And, um, and my father had various jobs at the Pentagon and then um, up at Fort Dix, which was in Jersey. Uh, so that was a little bit of a commute. We saw him on the weekends. Um, and then uh, uh, Fort McNair. Um, in, in Maryland and then back to uh, the Pentagon and then he retired. That was my, my growing up. Children that grow up in military families and, and have to move around a lot, you, uh, uh, you have to be able to adapt to a situation, right? And uh, you also have to um, appreciate um, the friendships that you develop and the relationships that you develop, but also, also knowing that they will be short. It's not easy. It's not easy, and uh, um, but uh, and my mother, on the other hand, she became involved with um, women in the military and also families in the military, and she actually moved up the uh, the ranks through nonprofit organizations into the uh, government and uh, became assistant secretary of the Navy for manpower. She was helped supported Navy Navy families, uh, so that was a uh, that was her rise. 
And she's actually the honorable. My father's the colonel, but but my mother is the honorable, right? So so she outranks my dad. What a fantastic story. When you think about your life uh, growing up, the early years, do you think that the fact that you uh, were in a military family, do you think that impacted uh, you in a positive way? Totally. Yeah, well, it's 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 the only thing I knew, right? So um, it, it's just kind of uh, became normal. But the the people um, and the mission and uh, and the connection to the country um, and uh, the feeling that um, you know we were part of something uh, really important uh, has always remained. And and and. Uh, you know, there, there were perks, you know, uh, when I, when I was younger, like, you know, uh, I got to ride in tanks. Um, I got to shoot an M60 rifle, um, things like that. You know, you got those kind of, uh, uh cool perks, the, um, but, uh, you also didn't, um, fully comprehend the, uh, you know, the sacrifice that it took for, uh, my father, for my mother, for the soldiers under my father. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to, um, to live through that when you're younger. I think you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're prepped to, uh, to, to handle that, um, more and it can, it can roll off your back a bit more, but it also, you know, those years form you. So, um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, when my father was at, uh, Fort Dix, uh, he was, uh, a, uh, you know, basic training there, and he was uh, uh, he had a, his own uh, battalion. And uh, uh, when you would walk, when we would go and visit, and then go uh, eat in the uh, the mess hall, right? Uh, and whenever my dad even uh, approached the mess hall, uh, everybody stood to attention, you know. And and so I, I realized like that was I I could I. I, I knew what my father's um, role was in, in how people looked at him. Uh, uh, and uh, he uh, also enjoyed that in a way, but, but didn't take it uh, too far. Yeah, so when you think about your transition into adulthood and you think about the, you know, some of the challenges that you faced along the way, it sounds like the fact that you grew up in a, in a dynamic environment kind of conditioned or postured you for success uh, in, in those times of uh, struggle. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you don't know how that's going to shape up. Sometimes you don't even realize at all until you take time to, to, to step, step back and actually assess everything. You know, I think uh, from a military standpoint, sometimes we forget the sacrifices that uh, not only uh, spouses make, but, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to serve with many military service members who, uh, you know, it was kind of neat to see their kids uh, now. Uh, most, many are adults. Um, and it's kind of neat to see how, how they've grown, uh, having done similar uh, or having traversed a path similar to yours in the sense that, Every two or three years, they were moving. Every two or three years, they were adapting. Uh, whether or not they liked change, uh, they were kind of forced to adapt, for sure. As you transitioned kind of into high school and then uh, in college, I, I, if I remember correctly, you, you were in the Virginia area. Can you talk yes. a little bit about your time there? Sure, yeah. Grew up outside of uh, D.C. In, in Fairfax County. 
Burke, Virginia, to be specific. And uh, I loved uh, that. I loved growing up there. There was so much uh, uh, to do, very suburban uh, upbringing, which um, I think is good um, when you're gr when you're in those growing years, you know, to be around um, uh, a lot of other families and children. Having grown up in that environment, when I graduated uh, high school and went to college, I wanted to go as far away from that as possible. <laughs> so I started looking. Uh, I started looking at uh, you know places in, in cities, right? And for grad school, um, I, I wanted cities: San Francisco, Seattle, um, uh, Chicago, New York City, Boston, uh, because it was so different, and I needed that. Uh, and then, if you look where I am today, I'm in the country. I knew that uh, the, the suburbs, although it was uh, uh, really great informative years and very stable, um, uh, I needed uh, to have the, the other extremes to balance out the experience. So growing up, yeah, in, in D.C., uh, you're also around um, a lot of other uh, families and, and, uh, who are military or government. Um, and uh, had the same kind of experiences as I did. Um, one of my best friends, uh, his father was a was an admiral in the in the navy. Uh, you had um, families who uh, whose uh, uh, mothers or fathers were in the CIA or the FBI, um, uh, uh, things like that. Uh, living in DC, you it's uh, you have people from all over the world. You know, when I say DC, that's that's kind of how we refer to it in that general area, you know, that bubble around there, the, the beltway, uh, uh, because that is, that is the gravitational, you know, pull right there. Um, and uh, so uh, you have people from all over the world and, uh, and uh, you know, DC being the, the nation's capital, uh, you have a lot of influence um, uh, global influence in that city. And, and that was, uh, you didn't have to travel far to go somewhere or to, to experience something um, that, uh, that you couldn't uh, normally experience, uh, whether that be food or, or, or movies or culture or, or art. Um, it, uh, it's a great, uh, great place to, to be. And then from the Virginia area, you made your way up to the Big Apple. Sure, yep, yep. Virginia, I, I went to um, college undergrad at um, BCU in Richmond, uh, which was a whole nother experience, which is a great time. Uh, and that's where I met my, my wife, um, uh, Carrie. And uh, then I went to, uh, I graduated from BCU. I had a degree in uh, uh, fine arts degree, concentration in sculpture. And I went to grad school uh, at Hunter College, part of the, the CUNY system. Mm -hmm. And um, and that brought me up to New York City. Uh, I went to school there, uh, left the program, and started working in a in a fashion studio for a fashion photographer, um, not as a photographer or or a model, but as <laughs> as um, uh, I was pressing clothes, pressing and steaming the clothes that they would wear. So I was a, I was a presser. That's how I started in that studio, and eventually one job led to, to the next. And I, I, by the time I left that studio, I was a casting director for this photographer. So let me get this straight. You took a job as a presser, right? Yes, clothing presser, yeah. Without knowing what was to come, you just knew that you wanted to be part of something bigger. When I left uh, 
art school uh, at Hunter, I needed to be around other creative people. And uh, this was a job that I had to, to support myself while I was going to uh, grad school. And, and it, production, uh, whether it's uh, fashion or, or it's television or, or uh, movies or whatever, they, they, it pays good money. Pays good money. It's not like you work in, it's not a nine to five, it's a freelance type of job. And, and so as a press close, I could make really more money than I had made before. It's not cheap to live in New York City, you know, and it's even worse now, but still, you know, this is, I'm talking like 1990, 95, 96, uh, in, you know, and I left, I left there in 2007. Um, uh, so you, you, you can't, you've got to work. But the main thing was it kept me in contact with very creative people and I needed to be around that. Yeah. Even though pressing clothes wasn't my passion and fashion wasn't my passion either. Much of my life has been like, like floating down the street. Uh, there have been some things that I've, I've focused on, um, but most everything that, that's come to me or where I've gotten to has been um, one thing has led to another. And, uh, and I've just uh, been... Uh, very about My takeaway from there is you, you took, you had the courage, right? And I assume there's a amount of courage when you left Hunter to, to, yeah. to venture out into the unknown. You got your position. And then by virtue of, of making that decision, you were able to progress to uh, more uh, or higher levels of responsibility. That took a lot of courage. It took a lot of uh, guts, right? Yeah, it, it did. Um, I was talking about this with my father over Christmas. There have been two chapters in my life that uh, that could have been seen as failures, uh, but I, I needed them to happen uh, to get to where I am, to uh, one, feel comfortable with myself. And one of those was I, I, I my first semester of, uh, of college, undergrad, um, I had I'd gone away. Uh, to SUNY Brockport, uh, which is actually, you know, just down the road from, from where I live now. And, um, and uh, you know, I enjoyed that experience, but, um, but I, I was also pretty stressed about it and very homesick, and I wasn't feeling exactly comfortable about being up there. Um, and I decided to come back after a semester. And uh, for me, in my life, I look at that as the first time that I, I made it an adult decision, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what are those, those adult decisions are, are a decision that now you are making and you are, um, uh, you know, you're choosing the path that you're going to go. And, and I, there was something about my experience up there that although I met great people um, and it was good to get away, um, I wasn't uh, necessarily happy. And uh, so I had to come back and, uh, and then I went to uh, a community college, which was the best thing because uh, that's where I, I developed this interest uh, and was able to work on um, this artistic side of myself. And, um, and also I was able to get through all of the core courses, right? Um, at a very reasonable uh, uh, allowance. And, uh, and I didn't put myself in debt and I, uh, you know, I, and so then I was able to transfer to once I, um, started taking these art courses and, and, and really was thriving in that, um, and, and, and developing an identity, right. I, I, uh, 
I, I was now uh, feeling good about who I turned into. And uh, then I go to, to VCU um, and, and get my degree in, in, in fine arts. And then the, the next chapter, uh, and, and that chapter, uh, leaving college first semester, um, was, uh, I know that my parents, especially my father, took that um, as, uh, didn't take it well, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, par parents are, uh, they have uh, all the, uh, uh, they, you know, they love their son, and both of their sons. A parent also lives through um, their children, especially when they start to achieve things. Right. And uh, so uh, uh, they achieve an acceptance to a college. And uh, OK, now uh, now we're supporting two by by getting the sweatshirt and putting the sticker on the car. And that becomes an identity of them as well. And uh, so I was pulling that identity back. And uh, and uh, but I needed to. And, and, and for the reasons I, I spoke about, and I was in under or, or at grad school. We had to uh, always have a, a, a yearly review. Uh, quarterly or half a year review, and um, and I had been in about uh, about a year and a half, and uh, uh, they essentially told me uh, that you know we don't need you in the program, and uh, <laughs> and so so for me that was like uh, that was um, that was something that uh, you know really could put you in a tailspin. Artists are passionate. Um, and, uh, we are, you know, you go, you go a hundred percent into the creative process. And, and so not to be accepted or wanted like that, uh, was, was another, um, chapter that, that really could have most people, um, you know, in, in a deep funk, but I was a little bit relieved in a way I was relieved, uh, that one, uh, that it happened to, um, it, it pushed me to, you know, to, to continue with, uh, uh, well, actually it just, just took me out and, and it, it, it made me now support myself. Um, I was a little, you know, a little lost at first as to what's going to happen. But I think, I think that job starting as a clothing presser in that studio with those other like-minded, um, passionate artists, even though it wasn't my passion just to be around them, that community, I needed that community and uh, I needed that connection to those people that were creative. And, uh, and eventually, um, it, uh, led, led me to other, other directions. Man, a, a lot of grit, a lot of determination, a lot of stepping into the unknown and just saying, Hey, listen, I don't, I can't see the end state, but I'm going to, I'm going to just step out. Right. I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out on the fly. You know, I, I, that comes from my mom. My mom <laughs> is, my mom's fearless. Yeah. And she always, uh, supported, uh, you know, you can't, you can't grow unless you take risks. Risks, um, are scary. Uh, and sometimes, uh, they will hurt people. And, uh, but, uh, you, it, it all always comes down to, you know, right in here, the heart and, uh, and, you know, as long as you follow that, uh, it's it, you know you're you're on a good compass point. If I heard the the years correctly, yeah. when you were in New York City, you are one of the few people that I know that were that, that was in New York City when 9/11 happened. Could you talk a little bit about 
your observations that day? 9-11, Tuesday, Tuesday, the, uh, the 11th of September, 2001, um, working at the photography studio. Uh, at this point now, I'm, a, I'm the casting director. And my wife, Carrie, who was uh, working in, in restaurants, she moved up from, from Richmond, and she was a pastry chef at, at some really fine restaurants. She had um, left the restaurant business and started uh, her chocolate business. She has now, carrying on chocolates. We are both working at the same place. Uh, this is in Soho on, uh, on Green Street. Um, and uh, which is uh, not in the same neighborhood, but at that time the you know the, the World Trade Center was the landmark uh, in anywhere. Right? It was it was the directional point, and you could see it all over the city. And uh, uh, we were you know that is probably about uh, twenty blocks away, um, but that is still close enough to um, to experience visually what's happening but far enough away to uh not uh be in that in that war zone right um so uh we we're going to work and um i get out of the subway harry and i and we're we get out onto the street on broadway and, and the first thing I, i'm noticing is a very long black dark cloud that's trailing to the uh, to the east, and uh, and I look at, at Carrie and I say, you know, that doesn't look good. That looks like, you know, that looks like something chemical or, or uh, and and then at that point, um, I'm uh, in my in my own personal life at that job. Uh, I'm looking to get out, right? Um, I had already had this developed this passion for wine. And I'm and I'm working on um, getting to the next point. So I'm I'm still around passionate people, but now I've realized that's not my passion. And I'm getting antsy and I'm getting unhappy. Uh, and my next my next uh, uh, thing that I, I said to Carrie was maybe that'll be something that'll get us out of work today. purely being selfish. And uh, so we get to work and, um, and, and I see my friend who's a, a, a photography assistant, Ray. And he says, uh, uh, you know, go out onto West Broad. There's a gaping hole in the World Trade Center um, in, the, in one of the towers. And so uh, I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, a plane, a plane flew into the, uh, the building. And, and at that point, um, uh, where it's a it's an accident. It's a horrible accident. I did. I'm not knowing that it's a commercial plane or what it was. Right. Um, that was at that point. It's like, oh my god, what a horrible, horrible tragedy. But a, what a horrible accident. And people are have are coming in. Right. Uh, as like, like I am. Uh, some people have been there already. Um, there was a, a, a hair and makeup stylist to uh, Virginia who um, had actually seen that plane fly into the building. And she's actually very uh, kind of in shock. That's the best word to describe it. Uh, very unsettled, but still show must go on. Show must go on. So people are getting the, the hair and makeup stylists are getting the models together. The fashion stylist is getting the clothing together for the shoots. The photography assistants are getting the, the camera and the lighting ready. Um, the, Everything is still going on. Nothing has stopped. Then um, we're hearing that um, a plane has flown into the Pentagon, right on the on the uh, on the on the, uh, the radio. And 
both of my parents had worked in the Pentagon and, and, and uh, my mother had just left uh, her job as the uh, assistant. She was worked under the Clinton administration, Bill Clinton. So she was now, um, she's a political appointee. She is now out of that job and, and the new administration is in, but all of her friends are still on that wing of the Department of Navy where that plane had flown into. And so that now is becoming very personal. I, d I didn't know where that where that hit, but um, the fact that and that bringing it back to you know my my youth and, my, and growing up, I know where this is. I've been in that building many many times, and then it's we realize you know there's something going on. Uh, I go to talk to the photographer. First thing out of his his mouth, and that is you know those effing terrorists, and and I'm thinking what oh shit we're under attack right and and uh it was so surreal it was so surreal so i'm i'm uh but we're still going on you know the shoot ha we have a client that we have to work for we've got to get that we've got a deadline but people are still uh working and uh, it's starting to be more surreal as as the as time goes on and um uh i go downstairs green street looks right down at what at the uh the second tower and uh, and it's at that point that uh, I see the second explosion, right? And I'm on the other side of uh, my vantage point is the other side of the building. I didn't see the plane hit it, um, but I saw the, the plane and the explosion push through it, right? And uh, and it was uh, you know the, the biggest uh, I'd never seen an explosion like that. The the strange thing about the day was it was the most perfect perfect day september which is usually like for me it's a great month um uh for weather it was uh in the you know the mid 70s not a cloud in the sky um there wasn't a breeze it was almost like you didn't you know uh, you you didn't feel the weather but it was just perfect and uh and so this explosion now and the uh the glass and the metal and uh, that are just shooting up into the air and then raining down was at once uh, so spectacular to visually see, uh, but also uh, so uh, heartbreaking, right? Uh, horrible. So um, things begin to get real at that point. And, uh, uh, and we're trying, they, they, they eventually call the shoot off. Uh, my the photographer worked across the street. He had a, a an apartment, penthouse apartment in the uh, the building across the street. So, um, and they were all, you know, we had a lot of photographers in the house. So the documentation of that day, I have, uh, you know, insane photos. Um, and we go to the top uh, of the the building, and uh, in the penthouse, uh, his his. His girlfriend is up there, and she's she's in complete shock because she's seen this all, you know, from that from that vantage point. And uh, uh, and and the the first tower has fallen. There's one tower, uh, and that and that in itself was insanity. Uh, to even you could never ever believe that a superstructure like that would not not just one but two of them would just be would, would uh, disintegrate, pile drive on itself. It was, yeah, which is, it was just mind boggling. Um, and, the, and then we're up there and, and, uh, and eventually the, the, the second tower falls. I can still hear the crack, you know, 
the crack of, of, of it breaking. It was, uh, and then, uh, then just the big, you know, as it, as it disintegrated. Um, and, uh, then you have, uh, it, it was like the two front, your two front teeth were knocked out because the landscape has now changed in a way that you could never, ever, ever imagine. And, uh, uh, and it's just, uh, two big, uh, mushroom clouds debris and uh you could you know uh, but before that you know you could see silhouette you could see people falling you could see all of that horrible horrible scene um after the 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 uh buildings fell there was still there was a i remember there was a there was a commercial plane that was still in in the air right probably coming down to get landed and we're all looking at that and we're we're looking downtown and we're seeing that and then we're looking uptown at the empire state building waiting for something to happen there right and it luckily it never did but um that was a that was an insane time it 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 didn't um it didn't didn't hit you until the next day the next day is when when it hit hit me and and my wife and i we got the the papers and we started going through it and then you know we just broke down uh that was that was uh i don't know if i've uh broken down like that in sense but that was just uh and and how could he not you know um it it uh it affected the country but it it definitely affected um the 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 residents of new york and new jersey and connecticut the people that were in that building um it it affected us more uh, obviously and um and you know, you could, uh, I didn't stop. Uh, I, I went to my parents for Thanksgiving and, uh, and when I came back, that was, that was when I stopped noticing the, the, the smell of the, the burning, uh, metal. Yeah. Right. But that, but that smolder, uh, went on, on for, for, you know, a good, uh, two, two months. And, uh, yeah, that was, well, happy times. But, but you know what, it, it, it's, it's part of me. And, and that day, that day when we're looking at the papers and we're, we're both breaking down, um, we looked at each other and we made a pact that, that we were going to follow our passion, that life is too short to be unhappy. And, uh, and it's from that point on that, um, that we began uh, the path that, that, we're, that we're living now. Yeah, what a fantastic story! Thanks so much for sharing. I can sense the emotion just uh, the, as you as you're you're reliving it, and and certainly I know that that's um, not always easy to do. Yeah, uh, you know I, I think I, I didn't get teary this time. I actually uh, so so pat on my back. Well, uh, the reason I was hoping that you would agree to tell that story is because I think it uh, served as a tremendous uh, launch pad for where you are today not 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 in its, in, in its entirety but i think it was a fantastic impetus to get you to do exactly what you said and that was follow your passion and and i tell you that the finger lakes uh, and and the finger lakes wine industry um man that they were they the the benef benefactor for 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 uh, you having um You've been through such a difficult uh, journey there. When you know earlier on in your story, you mentioned that you you uh, you know found this passion for wine. Hey, could you talk a little bit about your um, how you got to the Finger Lakes? Uh, I know it can be a 
there, there's a lot of twists and turns there, but uh, just what you feel like, uh, you, you know, you'd want to share. Sure. I mentioned my wife was in the restaurant business and uh, through her work, we had to eat at, uh, at restaurants in the city and uh, just, you know, to, to keep up with what's going on. And uh, so we, we did that with, uh, with, uh, with her colleagues and, and I was, uh, you know, great, you know, uh, my, uh, Carrie worked at a really fine restaurant, uh, the River Cafe in, in Brooklyn, which is still there. It's, a, it's an establishment, uh, iconic uh, restaurant of New York City. Um, and uh, so we would, I, you know, I'm kind of a passenger on these trips. And uh, I can see that they're super excited about, about um, you know, doing this uh, and, and what they do. Because uh, they are, you know, they're they're artists in in their own right, and super passionate the culinary arts, um, and uh, and we love food and 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 that kind of uh, love to cook, um, and so at, at at these restaurants that we would go to, they would find out where she works, and uh, they would say, okay, or we would make reservations. They knew where we were coming, and uh, uh, and they'd say, okay, put put the menus away. You know, we're going to bring stuff out. All right, great. And uh, and with that, they were bringing out really great wines to pair with with all of these foods, and and it was uh, some things started to to really pique my interest and excitement, you know. Um, and uh, and these experiences were drawing me back to a really uh, another uh, chapter in my life, uh, studying in Italy um, when I was an undergrad. Uh, I did a semester abroad, which I'd recommend to anybody. Um, but the the life. The lifestyle that that the Italians live, the uh, the attention to uh, the you know their the the detail of of their their food and their wine and how that uh, they make that a, a, a part of their life that brings people and family together uh, around these um, this nourishment really right and uh, I was starting to get really. A, a, excited about that and interested and um, uh, and so that's kind of where my my uh, my my interest in wine peaked and uh, uh, short, short time thereafter I believe there was a trip to the Finger Lakes yeah yeah so uh, Carrie and I were always um, vacationing in wine region because uh, one they're beautiful parts of the country and two uh, they they uh, bring in the connection to the table farm to table and, and these were our interests now um, and I was starting to see uh, in wine, right, which which uh, which was piquing my interest. Um, I was starting to see that this is this is something that brings in an art, and it also brings in a history, um, and it ties into geography, and um, it ties into weather, and uh, it's very complex. All of the factors that affect it, and its effect on on all of those factors, and uh, and, and it was tying in civilizations uh the romans took took grapes with them when when they when they conquered throughout uh, europe and the world um because uh, uh one uh it was uh the the most uh, sanitary beverage for them but they it was also you know that's how they um fed their their troops and also it's how they imported their culture uh, just one example and uh so i was getting really really intrigued by all of the complex um aspects of, of, of wine and not besides the fact that you know it smells and tastes great and uh and has a certain intoxicating effect um 
which are, you know, just those help as well. But as an artist, you deal with your senses and, um, and with, uh, with food and wine, um, you are also dealing with those senses. And I was now, uh, I was a little bit lost. I was a little bit unhappy uh, where I was, uh, but now this was um, something that I was starting to latch onto and it was making me happy. And I was, uh, I was spending every, um, you know, waking moment just devouring knowledge about it. Um, uh, anything I could read, uh, any magazine, any book, taking uh, classes, uh, going to these areas, just so happened that we're in New York City and um, Long Island and the Hudson Valley and Finger Lakes are one part of the state that we live in. And those are the three major wine regions that uh, in our state. So um, it's easy for us to get there. And we were doing that and exploring all of those areas. And, uh, and I was becoming, uh, at that time, uh, you know, the late 90s, look, nobody, nobody was into New York wines. Uh, all of my friends, they didn't, one didn't know uh, about wines, but, um, but uh, New York wines, that was an even tougher sell because there was just uh, a lot of preconceptions about what New York wine was and, and is. And, and so... Uh, uh, we would come up and, and, and travel. And, and that, that day after, you know, September 12th, um, it wasn't until um, 2006, right, five years later, that um, I started, uh, I took on another job. I'm still working at the studio, but now I'm taking on a, um, a weekend passion job at a wine shop. And, and I'm now uh, teaching people and guiding people uh, towards choices uh, their own choices and, and, uh, and, and became kind of a curator and guide for people. And, and a wine shop is uh, still, uh, to this day, most people are um, not confident about their knowledge of wine. And, and why would they be unless they're really you know, a geek about it? Because there's millions of bottles out there. Um, there's so many brands, right? And and um, and there's so many varieties, and, and it's grown on seven of, of six of the seven continents. And um, and uh, uh, you know, uh, some places tell you what's in the wine, some places don't. Um, and uh, and so most people go, go into a wine shop, um, and there they feel very inadequate. And uh, it was I started to get uh, really enjoying that teaching aspect of teaching people about what they're going to be tasting and giving them recommendations and making them feel comfortable about it. And I just loved it. I was getting so much out of it. I'm, I'm now a, not only a, st a student, but I'm a teacher. And, um, and I, I was just uh, uh, so uh, fulfilled. In 2006, we're, we're, we're making a, a move, right? We're, 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 we've quickly established that we could never afford to live in Long Island. Right. And, and we couldn't afford to live in the Hudson Valley because all the people that that couldn't live in Long Island are now going to the Hudson Valley. And uh, and and it's becoming out of our price range. The Finger Lakes was still so far off in the corner. Right. It was still affordable to, to live up there. And so that's where the opportunity was. And we loved we loved the 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 landscape, the, the wines, the people, the whole general feel. Uh, being in in uh, the country, um, these beautiful lakes, all that it gives, uh, and uh, we were looking at a, a place to buy a building that we would that we would buy a work live space, carry whatever chocolate business. We'd live up top, 
um, and I would find a, a, a job in, in the uh, wine business here. At that point, it wasn't winemaking um, or vineyard or um, I was looking to get in probably at, in a tasting room or something like that. I'd never fermented anything in my life up to that, really. Uh, really, not even beer, <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I definitely didn't know about winemaking. We have a, a, a meeting with a realtor in the afternoon. It's in the morning. It's approaching lunchtime. We still have a little bit more time. Um, we're heading back to our, our um, rental place. And we're like, you know, we've got time for to fit one more in before, before we have to get up to meet the, uh, the realtor. And uh, so we, we come rolling down 14 and we're approaching Anthony Road. And I say, you know, let's, let's, let's come go in there. I, I know a little bit about them. I've, I've visited them at the Green Market in Union Square, right? But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't buying their bottles or anything. You know, I, I had tasted um, a couple of wines there, met John. You know, he was down there, um, asked the, uh, you know, the, the, the standard question. So which one's your favorite, you know, got the standard answer, you know, well, that's like asking which one of my kids is my favorite. Right. And, uh, so we came in, I, I knew a little bit about what was going on. I knew that, uh, that, that they had a young winemaker from Germany at the time, uh, Johannes Reinhardt and, um, it's in May, which is a good time to come up to this area or any of those areas that I mentioned because it's slow. It's the slow time and you can get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. And that's what we got. We had a great experience with, in the tasting room, uh, with, uh, with, uh, our, our pourer and, um, and I'm immediately like really impressed by what I'm tasting. Right. And it, and it wasn't necessarily the Rieslings at that time, although those are really good. I was really taken with the Pinot Gris that I was tasting from that vintage, um, which was the 05 at that time. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is pretty damn cool. I didn't realize. And, uh, and then um, Johannes comes in for lunch, you know, this tall guy with his, with his big uh, uh, cellar boots on. And, and uh, the lady we're pouring with says, Johannes, come over here. You should meet these people. They're really interesting. And, and uh, very nice compliment. Probably my wife, it was more in interesting because she already established that she had a chocolate business, right? And uh, uh, and introduce, and they, uh, Johannes finds out that, um, that Carrie makes chocolates and, and he asks, you know, do you have any product? And uh, she, she's always hawking product. So she does, she, went, she goes back into the, the car, brings back a box and present it. I'm working at that point in the wine shop and for the photographer. So I'm, I'm talking to Johannes now, just trying to one, be humble, but also uh, let him know a little bit about, uh, you know, the varieties I know from Austria, Germany, and things like that, you know, trying to speak some shop talk. And uh, Carrie comes back with a box of chocolates and she opens it up and unfolds it and presents them. And uh, one of the chocolates had just kind of a, uh, uh, fallen a bit, like wilted in the car. And she's like, no. And, and Johannes says, you know, puts, puts her hand on the shoulder. It's okay. I can sense the passion. And, uh, which she did happen. And, 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 uh, so she's like, so what do we, what do we need to do to get a, a, a barrel taste? And, uh, he's like, well, well, you know, I'm going to eat lunch. You go to the garden, hang out there and we'll go back. We'll go up there after. And, uh, so, that's what happens. We do that. And uh, we, we have an experience where we're, we're tasting samples from barrels and tanks with Johannes. And uh, 
and it was maybe about 40 minutes. It, it seemed like 10 minutes. It went by so fast. Um, as, as we're leaving uh, and, and he walks us out, he says, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for someone to help during the harvest. My wife, who, who has spent uh, the last couple of years hearing me come home from work and on the weekends and like, oh, when are we going to do this? We've got to get out. When are we going to make this happen? She says, we'd love to do it. And, uh, and so we exchange numbers. I exchange numbers with Johannes and, um, and I leave there and I'm like, wow, what happened? I, I just got a harvest job uh, here at Anthony Road in the Finger Lakes doing what we've wanted to do. Oh, my God. And, you know, this is great. And, and uh, I would call him every couple of weeks, every month and a half to check in, right? And, and every time we talked, you know, uh, he would try and talk me out of it because uh, I think he realized that, um, you know, I don't know this guy from anybody. Some some city slicker I just offered a job to, and uh, uh, but I was I was invested. I was I was down with it, and uh, and uh, I came up. Uh, we had a trailer, Airstream trailer that my wife and I had. I, I parked it on the property here. I lived in there for the uh, the the harvest, and um, I wanted to learn as much as I could, and uh, to work as hard as I could. And, and, uh, so at the end of the, the three months, I, I approached John and I said, John, Carrie and I are moving up here in, in April full time. And I want to work here. And, uh, and he said in his John fashion, cool, you know, and, uh, and they, and they wrote me, in, they wrote me into the, uh, the business plan and I came up and, uh, and started, started working then, um, those kind of things, you know, that that's the serendipity of it. Um, uh, floating down the stream kind of thing, um, uh, seeking it, but also things, uh, opportunities happen for you. They, they come to you sometimes like that. And, uh, but, you know, uh, just being at the right place at the right time. Um, I know, I know for a fact, I, I, I've thought about this, reflected on it many times. Johannes, um, what happened that day where he invited us up to taste? Um, was something that as I worked under Johannes for eight years after that, um, that had, that never happened again. Uh, and, and knowing, um, knowing how Johannes, uh, uh, would, uh, protect his wines, especially wines that weren't finished or ready to present to the public. Right. Um, he holds that very close. The fact that he opened up that day, uh, and, um, was uh, something that um, you know I would call uh, you know he would he would maybe call divine intervention right but uh, it, it, but for me it was uh, total serendipity um, it it, uh, it it there was something there right uh, there was something in the air that that made him open up and made and 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 see that um, that we were receiving it and. And, uh, and just having a person that, that wanted to uh, help and pay it forward, uh, like Johannes is, um, that gave me this opportunity uh, to, to be doing what, to, for us to be speaking today. We wouldn't know each other probably uh, with, without that experience there. Um, I think there are some consistent patterns throughout your life. Yes, all of which are what I will consider more uncommon. Um, sometimes uh, you see life as a linear pathway. 
right? A, a, a checklist of sorts. You know, if we if we just do this, we'll get to the next level, right? If we just get this degree, if we just get this uh, work in this job, and and so on and so forth, until ultimately we retire. And I think what we've heard throughout your journey is is it's in life is anything but linear. And some of the themes that uh, jump out at me is that if you're willing, step out. If you're willing to you know, take a chance, all it takes, right? You take the chance and the benefits uh, come back to you in spades. In your journey, as you've related today, uh, I see that more than ever. Um, just having the willingness to, to try, even though you don't know where the end state is, you don't know what it's going to be in a, in a couple of years, just having the courage and the wherewithal to say, I'm going to take that first step. That speaks volumes about you as a person, uh, but it also is directly related to your success uh, today. You reflect on everything that you've talked about. Uh, is there any themes that, that, that jump out to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, you uh, the, the themes that stick out, uh, you, you can't grow without taking risks. Um, fear is, is healthy. Also need to be fearless at the same time. And, uh, and, and my life in New York city after a while, and, and, and most this can relate to a lot of people, you, another year goes by, another year goes by and another year goes by. And it's easy to get stuck in that hamster wheel to make something happen. You need to, uh, you need to jump off of that and really make it happen sometimes. And nine 11, Right, uh, and what's happening now uh, with with this this past two years? Right, um, those events right there, uh, a lot of people died, but also an equal, if not more, amount of people were reborn. It takes these these moments, and th those are massive moments, but they could be smaller moments, more personal moments, um, just to reflect on how uh, short life is and uh, how you can shape your destiny. What, how do you want to live that life? How can you make that live? You know, in, in many cases, if you're not living that life, sometimes it boils down to you. You're not doing it. You know, make it happen. Or at least, and, and that doesn't happen by, no, nobody's been discovered sitting on their couch in their house, right? It doesn't happen, right? Whether it's American Idol or whether it's, you know, whatever. Um, uh, you got to put, you got to put some, some, some manpower, you know, you, you want to lose some weight. Well, you got to stop eating as much and you got to, um, you got to exercise. That's going to help. And it's not going to happen at first. Right. But if you keep doing that over, over half a year to a year to two years, uh, you will notice the effect and you will then become, uh, so into what you're doing that you will continue it. Being an artist, uh, I'm fueled by the senses, and um, and and uh, so I need to uh, fulfill those. And what I'm doing now uh, helps me. And and it, and and I'm uh, what I do now. I am now fulfilling my degree that that I didn't that master's degree that I never got, right? Because um, I am now creating um, the best work that I've ever done, and uh, and and it's now reaching an audience that um, is far greater than I could have ever reached with a, a, a sculpture, right? Um, in art school, uh, I had a teacher that said, uh, one, he said, take a look around. Um, there's a very small percentage of you that are ever going to make. Second thing he said was, um, 
in an art gallery, the average consumer spends about seven seconds on a piece of work before they move to the next. What are you going to do to make them spend more than that time, right? And now what I'm doing is I'm, uh, I'm creating what I call a, a work of art that uh, you are now collecting. You are now giving to your friends. You are now putting in your body. You're, you're, uh, you're basing your evening uh, around it. Uh, and, uh, and you're encouraging your friends and family to join with you. And, and I reach more people than I ever could have as a fine artist. And, uh, and I feel like the connection, uh, that, uh, that I was, the, you know, the place in the world that I was trying to, to, um, to get a degree for, I am now doing, uh, and, and, uh, and really it's fulfilling. We make people happy. We make people happy. And, and it, you know, Stop and think about what you do, and um, do you make people happy? And most importantly, do you make yourself? Are you making yourself happy? Because then, um, no matter if you're earning a lot of money or a little bit of money, uh, or still struggling, but if you're happy uh, and it's uh, and you're you'll be in a good spot, and, and it won't matter to you, uh, and uh, because uh, you know. Um, it could all be gone tomorrow. Based on those final words, I think that's a good place for us to, to wrap things up. Uh, I will do want to finish with a few rapid fire questions. Uh, if you weren't in wine, what would you be doing? Probably be in uh, food. So on some, some aspect, uh, maybe um, uh, working in a restaurant, um, you know, yeah, uh, that's a tough, that's a tough business though. That's a tough business. <laughs> that I don't know. Tougher than the business. You're I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'd be in beer. Favorite food? Oysters. Favorite beverage other than wine? Seltzer. This one is not a rapid fire, but I want you to think about the, your, your answer. What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, legacy. Um, I would like, uh, legacy would be, I, uh, will be the people that, that have worked with me, right? Um, the assistance uh, that I've had as they continue uh, uh, to, to forge their own path. Uh, they're not necessarily from the school of, of bee craft, right? But, um, but I'm sure that, that uh, uh, least, I, I know that everything I know I've given to them uh, to help them uh, with, you know, uh, build their toolbox. And um, so I hope, uh, I hope that, you know, that continues. Um, that is always a legacy. Uh, and then, um, you know, um, I, I hope that the, the wines, uh, that, that I leave behind, and this is a legacy just, you know, through, uh, the, the job that I have, I hope that they age and they age well. And, uh, I hope that, uh, in, uh, 20, uh, 30 years, uh, 40 years, 50, 60 years, there's still, some of what I've done uh, hanging around long, long after I'm, I'm gone and that people are enjoying it. That I can still bring that enjoyment to people uh, uh, when I'm gone. Fantastic responses. What we've heard today is a, a man who began his journey in a very uncommon way uh, as a military brat. Uh, he traveled around the country. He's, had a, he's lived a life of incredible significance. Uh, he's taken chances and he's done, he's lived his life in a way that we would consider to be very uncommon. He yet 
he's had magnificent, magnificent success. Pete, I'll give you the uh, final words. Any, any, any final words that you'd like to share? Uh, no, I mean, you haven't heard enough already. <laughs> I don't know if I have any more to give. Yeah, yeah you're always, you're a giver, man. <laughs> well, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, thanks for what you continue to do, not only for, for uh, me, uh, my wife, Jennifer, and our family, but uh, thanks for being the incredible human being you are. Uh, to learn more about Pete, you can obviously check out Anthony Road Wine Company. Um, and he, he might be willing to do for you what Johannes did for him. Because he, <laughs> he certainly did that for me. So uh, thanks a lot, Pete. You got it. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit our website, www.bravery.wine to learn more about our mission and to purchase our wines. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.